The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On this episode of the Heat Check, feeling a little better. Feeling a little more energy, but we've got a real, you know who's got energy? This budding rivalry, this real deal Holyfield rivalry between two rookies that was on full display and needs your attention. Uh, We also talk about, is Luka the softest superstar in the league right now? Because I think he might be. The Bucs do it, folks. They actually pull the trigger and hire Doc Dirty Mac Rivers. We also get into some news from around the league. Another firing. Another one bites the dust after the firing of Adrian Griffin. After a brutal cold spell, it feels like spring around here. So let's get right into it, Andy. Let's drop that motherfucking beat. It should be here. talk about this rivalry I was uh this is something that you only see like once every 25 years last time I think we saw it is probably what magic and bird like this level of two highly sought after high reputation could they be transcendent in the league yeah one guy wasn't in college came overseas the other guy was in college and hurt his foot but like this is this is the stuff of the front cover of 2K, right? Like face off, you know? This is going to fuel the league, I think, for the next 20 years. I'm talking about Wemby versus Chet. Things, things with them have gotten to a level where everyone on Twitter has seen it, has known it, has pointed it out. There is, there, there is beef. There is it. There's something something spicy's going on between them. We watched them play against one another once before, and 
it was the same. And now I get additional confirmation. Wednesday, the Thunder and the Spurs squared off for the second time, even though it was a blowout. Maybe because it was a blowout. I don't know. But I tuned in. I tuned in in the fourth quarter, and that's when the shit got real. The difference between the Thunder and the Spurs is like a, a gulf. The, Sp- the Spurs are probably one of the worst teams in the league, and the Thunder are maybe a Western Conference Finals team. The level of talent between the team is a gulf. It is possible, I think, that the Thunder bench could beat the first team of the Spurs. Aaron Wiggins, Cason Wallace, Isaiah Joe, Kenrick Williams, Misic, Jalen Williams, just off IR, Alexi Pokashevsky. I think they beat the starters of the Spurs more than half the time. But really, what we're talking about are the best two rookies. Just fuck the wards, fuck the press. It's mano e mano. Let's see who can do our seven-foot-plus thing and take the other one off the dribble and embarrass him and stare him down. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I bet it something that I wanted to check in on. I needed some blocks from Wemby and Chet. I needed some rebounds. We were close to coming home, but I, I admit when I saw the score, I was a little worried. Okay, so he's up a million, and it's the start of the fourth quarter. I thought I lost the bet. I tune in, and guess who's out there? Everyone. Everyone. Chet's out there. Vic's out there. And I thought I tuned in to the Western Conference Finals seventh game because they that was when the intensity ratcheted up. Victor, every time Chet went to the, every time Chet checked in, Victor goes to the scorer's table. And in a game that was largely over, couldn't tell it to those guys. They were back and forth and back and forth. I think the fourth quarter turned them up. It was iso ball possession after iso ball possession. Both teams were like, let's just let them go to work. Let's just let these guys cook. The game is in hand. Who cares, really? Like, let's just turn this into an exhibition. Uh, We'll call it one-on-one with the other four on both teams just out on the perimeter. So... Wemby gets the ball at the top of the key, drives, puts his shoulder into Chet's chest, hammers home a dunk, and then smiles, laughs, and stares the man down for like two full seconds. Soon after, Chet gets so frustrated, he sets up an aggressive screen on Wemby and gets called for the offensive foul. The next possession, Chet's like, well, I don't care. I'll fuck this, this guy up too. Bodies Wemby again. Gets in the way, grabs the steal, goes coast to coast. Sweet little up and under layup. Just one after the into the next. Back in the fourth, drives in the paint. Ball fakes, middies, threes, step backs, little one foot floaters. These guys did everything. It made it made the blowout. Must see TV. I honestly was looking around like, is anybody else talking about this online? Because I feel this is something that something is going on here. The end result is we all knew and, and I guess became aware, if you didn't know, that this is a real rivalry. This is not a, oh, cute, two seven-footers, we have to force them to not liking each other. I think that they actually don't. I think that they believe, each one of them, that they are the best big men, new big men in the league right now. It is personal. Final stat line, Chet. 17, 9, and 4, a steal in three blocks. Wemby, 24, 12, and 5 with the steal in four blocks. One player had a worse stat line, but his team blew the other one the fuck out. A reporter asked Wemby after the game about what he likes playing against Chet. And, he's, and they're like, do you like 
do you like that one-on-one type environment? And he goes, yeah, I don't really ever play one-on-one. Uh, it's usually one-on-two. And truthfully, you look at that Twitter, they've got screen grabs where it's one-on-three. There are three Thunder shading Wemby. They've created a, a wall around him. And then he said this in response to another question about whether he's pissed that he didn't win Western Conference Rookie of the Month and that he's only seventh in all-star voting. He goes, yeah, of course I'm mad. At the end of the day, I'm going to get what I deserve, though. Every game is a statement game from now on. Okay, okay, Wimby, you give us those statement games. Yeah, how come every game wasn't a statement game before? Chet, for his part, played the role of the mature elder statesman. He said, yeah, obviously that's the headline that you guys have. That's what ESPN promotes. That's what the NBA is promoting, and rightfully so. Vic's a great player. I think I have a long way to go in this league, but I plan to be a great player and play a long time. But that doesn't take away from what the focus is. The focus is Thunder versus the Spurs. Could have fooled me. Could have fooled me. I didn't realize that. I felt it was Chet versus Wemby. I like Chet. Very mature. He's a killer. Let's be honest, that's not true. Like, he, he absolutely loves going against Wemby. A lot of people thought the Rookie of the Year award was, was Chet's. A lot of people thought it was on the line last night, two nights ago. If that's true, Victor got the best of Chet. He's now back in front at minus 150. Chet has moved back from minus numbers to plus 120. If you like Chet, which is what I do, I think you might well uh, put some of the money on the line for Chet to win Rookie of the Year. $100 gets you $120 back. The X factor, though, obviously, is that OKC is good and the Spurs are not good. Spurs are a lottery team. OKC is second in the West. Thunder, fifth-ranked defense, starting players who are aged 21, 21, 22, 24, and 25. The Spurs have a defensive rating of 119.2. 119.2 is, is right around Trey Young. Like, that's just <laughs> that's what that is. So not good. Like somewhere between Trey Young and, and Dame Lillard. It's not good. It's kind of hard to compa- compare the two teams. Really, like Wemby on the Thunder would be very good too. I promise you. One is playing on an elite basketball team and the other is facing triple teams every night because he doesn't have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He has Devin Vassell, which very good player, not Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The good news, if you didn't check in and watch the game, they play two more times against each other. I have already looked at flights on April 10th. OKC, never been to Oklahoma City. The Thunder play the Spurs again. If the Rookie of the Year is still in doubt, and there's no reason to think that it's not going to be close, folks, April 10th is going to be a game for the Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, uh, moving on. What is it about these two teams? Fucking weirdos. They're just a weird rivalry, aren't they? I don't know where the origin is, but every time these two teams play, it's weird, it's spicy, it's got drama, it's got strange interactions with the media after, it's got strange interactions with the fans during. We're talking about the Suns and Mavericks. And they're always up to no good. It's always something with these two. They don't... I don't think they like each other. Not going to lie. Devin Booker went off for 46 last night. You think he's still mad about that Luka meme? Where Luka was up, I think, 50 in the first half and just staring at Devin Booker's face when he's trying to play defense. But he, he beat him 46 points to the tune of that in a blowout win, 132 to 109. So then there was a skirmish. The skirmish originated by... Grant Williams, the all-time instigator, the all-time irritant. He was supposed to be the off-season signing, and he is pretty much sucked last month. So he's been trying throughout the entire course of the game to bait Nurkic, but mostly baiting Nurkic through fucking with other players on the team like Kevin Durant. So he pushes Kevin Durant down on the ground. He's trying to stomp towards KD. Nurkic has to push him away. They get taxed. It's a whole thing. He gets gets fouled out. He's ejected. Afterwards, they ask Booker about it. Hey, like, do you think this guy has an agenda? Has nothing to do with winning the game? By the way, this isn't even the main storyline. This is just the aperitif. Uh, He said, yeah, he did. Hell yeah, he did. It's not necessary. I don't even think Grant Williams wanted to play basketball tonight. He wants to do the antics, man. We're out there trying to hoop. So big props to Nurk for holding that down. If I would have seen that, I would have done the same thing. That's how we get down. By the way, I love Devin Booker's outfit choices. He went full out cholo. Had the one one button and everything else was open. Anyway, he says he's, we're not with that nonsense. It was nonsense, too. Grant Williams is the epitome of nonsense. The Mavs were up by 16 at one point, but after Grant got tossed, it was just pretty much downhill for the rest of the night. But this is not even the story, folks. The real story is the fireworks between Luca and a media reporter. Like, after the game. And a fan. Tim McMahon of the Hoop Collective podcast 
His nickname is Banned McMahon because he gets banned from arenas. So he's a little spicy. Uh, Luca ha- was having a rough night. We'll call it a frustrated night. He had 34, which, you know, it's light work for Luca, but he was 11 for 24. They're obviously losing the game. He had five turnovers, so things weren't going great for Luca. In the first half, you know, you might imagine that Dallas fans probably not super stoked with their own team in their own arena getting blown out by their rival. So he starts getting heckled by this guy, um, actually in a Devin Booker jersey. So, okay, with three minutes or so left in the game, Fourth quarter, it was clear. Mavericks, they're losing this game. They're getting their asses beat. It was all over but the shouting. Luka had had enough of this fan right then. Not first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. No, no. He had had enough. He was jogging back on defense, told the ref, get this guy the fuck out of here. Get him out. He even gave him the little like, ugh, little wave, like, get him out. What did the fans say? We all want to know. What could have been so inflammatory, so egregious, so disparaging that Luca needed right then, not to let it go, because there's only a few minutes left, but to say, get this guy out of here. Get him out. Get him out right now. Well, the fan uh, called Luca fat, basically. Uh, and not in those words, but what he said, and we have multiple people around the league, because that fan was right near the media, was, Luca, you're tired. Get your ass on the treadmill. Luca, you're fat. You need to get in shape. You are getting beat because you're not in condition. And just like that, get this guy out of there. Get him out. Fan was probably ready to leave anyway. The game was over. Probably wanted to beat the crowds, grab an Uber, get some dinner. Who knows? But it gets even more hilarious. So Tim McMahon, who he's got an interesting sense of humor, he tweeted something out uh, about Luca and what the fans said. And then he asked Luca about it after the game. And Luca got chippy with Dan, uh, Tim McMahon pretty fast. Uh, I know I saw you when you said about the fan, you know. That was not a true all. That was not the only thing he said. Uh, but I knew you would be the first one to, to point out something like that. Cause I'm not going to say what he said, but I knew you were going to be the first one to put out something like that, so I just saw it, man, it's just funny. He always seemed to be the first one to put some bad stuff about me. First of all, 99% of the stuff I've written about you has been good. Oh, I don't know. I was sitting two rows behind us. All right, so it was the only thing he was, that time he said something, the only thing? That was what you reacted to. Yeah, I was hearing the whole first half, right? Oh, you didn't hear anything? He was definitely hollering. Okay, there we go. Well, you put out something that was just the only thing, but what was okay, the final what, straw? What, what, what was the what final was the issue? What was the thing that it's not the issue? I'm just seeing you seems to be the first one to always put something bad about me. That's fine. It's all over. That's Why did you ask for the fan to be ejected? You, because he was cursing me the whole first half too. Why didn't you ask for Luke to be ejected in the first half then? Because I never would eject a fan. They pay for tickets, but I had enough, you know. It's a little bit of frustration. Pause. A little bit of frustration. There we get to the heart of the matter because if what he said didn't matter and he was also chirping you the whole first half, the whole thing doesn't make any damn sense, Luca. You're not making any damn sense. But here, here's where we get to the heart of what Luca his issue is. You turned your head and looked over at him after he said that. That's, I mean, that's what we saw. Yeah, that's fine. Be the guy, the bad guy in the media, right? It's all right. Feel like you're fairly portrayed in the media? No. 
Do you think you're fairly portrayed in the media, Luca? No. Luca, the bad guy. Okay, Luca, you're the ba- Luca, the bad guy? You mean the guy who is essentially James Harden but gets treated like he's Michael Jordan? Are we serious? Luca might be one of the most protected NBA players in the last 20 years. We give Luca a pass on everything. He is our Slovenian brother. The media fucking loves Luca. One guy doesn't slurp up on everything that Luca does, and he's like, oh, you just hate me. You just hate me so much. Oh, I knew you were going to be the one. Ah. Oh. I knew, oh, Luca the bad guy, y'all just paint me out to be the bad guy. This is fucking insane. Luca used to play in Europe. Europe, let me, if you are not aware of what basketball is like in Eastern Europe, they, they carry weapons to the game. People have been stabbed. Hooligan culture in the EPL, you think that's bad? No, no, sir. There's like fireworks going off in an indoor arena. Google this shit. Luca played in that when he was 16 years old. Are we like one little fan chirps him about getting on a treadmill? And he's like, get that guy out of there. Get him out. This man's gotten soft. Luca has been become soft. Really? In, in this country, some the creature comforts of Dallas, Texas have gotten to him. He's a general, generational talent, no doubt. But villain? Villain in the media? I'll be the bad guy. You are just soft all around. You complain to the refs every second you can. Your coach is pissed. Your second coach is pissed. Your GM is pit. Everybody knows you are a whiny bitch. I love Luca, but in that realm, whiner, whiner. You do not take your conditioning seriously. You do not take your diet seriously. And if if you're gonna get chirped about the thing that you don't do, then what are we even talking about? Let me just go side road on you. Kevin Love used to look like a house. He did. Kevin Love used to have chipmunk cheeks and tricep fat. And you know what he did? What happened to him when he came into Mac Arena? We called him fat. We called him baby fat. We called him all kinds of mean things. It was so bad that we as a student body got an email about it. Said, do not say this about opposing players. We do not want you. They gave out pieces of paper to the pit crew about all of the mean things we were going to chant about Kevin Love. Why? One, it was very easy ammo. He was fat. Two, he spurned us by not going to Oregon and going to UCLA as an Oregon boy. It was so bad, we were punished. The pit crew was put to rest for like two weeks. Luca can't handle that in the NBA making millions of dollars? If you can't take your conditioning seriously and you can't take the heckling, maybe winning isn't the most important thing to you. Maybe you're, you are closer to James Harden than we even thought. Back to him and Tim McMahon. What a tremendous exchange. I need more of it. I love it. It's not Tim McMahon's job to carry water for the Dallas Mavericks or for Luka Doncic. And, and it's not hard to write positive stories about Luca.
not part, hard at all. It is hard to ask him, hey, Luca, to his face. Got to be just a real grizzly veteran move. Hey, um, what did that fan say to you again that got you to kick him out of the game? Luca, by the way, did not answer. He never answered. He never confirmed it was about my weight that set me off. It was. That was the final straw. I don't know. 100% not what is bothering Luca. Some of those guys don't want criticism. And when they do, they remember that criticism. Sounds like he's remembered Tim McMahon a lot. Maybe that's a sign of being great. Like LeBron remembers every single bad thing that anybody's ever said about him. Or Steph is going to the locker room at halftime and hearing this annoying girl say that the Warriors won't go 9-1. and one. And so he comes back and draws 50 on the Atlanta Hawks to go 9-1. and one. But maybe, just maybe, it's not that. Maybe it's a sign that you are just too All right, lots popping around the league, so let's get into it. So the Wizards said, well... If the Bucks can fire a guy who went 30 and 13, um, how many wins they have? Seven? Seven wins. We can definitely fire Wes Unsell Jr. But, like, they didn't really fire him because they're the Wizards, you know? They don't just do the right thing. They do the, like, weird, soft thing. They reassigned him to a front office role. So he's fired. It's kind of like what happened to Travis Schlenk when he was reassigned when they were really firing him for the Atlanta Hawks. They don't want to buy him out, so they're just putting him to work in some random office in some strange role. My mom had a friend who worked for the Forest Service, and he was trying to unionize, and so they put him on another floor (laughs) by himself on the union floor. It was just him, and they gave him busy work. And then one day he opened some random closet and all of the busy work that they had him do was in there. No one signed off on it. No one stamped it. So what did he do? He ended up finding a couch from some other floor and putting it in his office. And he just slept there. That's what I, that's what I imagine Wes, Wes Unsell Jr. is doing right now. Somewhere in the Wizards facility. They've given him a role that has no meaning. No one's looking at his work. They just... They want to make his life miserable because they can't really afford, because they're cheap. They can't just pay him out and let him do something else, let him play golf. They're like, no, you're coming into work every fucking day, okay? We're, we're going to breathe down your neck on things that are meaningless. Anyway, they are desperately hanging on to the title of being the second worst team in the NBA behind the Detroit Pistons, who are, by the way, breathing down their necks with a two and three stretch in their last five, which sounds bad, but it's pretty good for the Detroit Pistons, not going to lie. <sighs> announced out of nowhere, Brian Keefe, his lead assistant, is going to take over for the remainder of the year. And in the offseason, they're going to conduct a comprehensive search for their next head coach. Didn't they just hire this guy? I swear to God, he's been there only two years. Hasn't he? Didn't Scott Brooks just come to my team two years ago when they hired Chauncey Billups? I think, I think that's what happened. I'd love to say that this shocks me, but I'd be lying. Any team where Marvin Bagley is your marquee player and he's averaging 18 points per game for the Wizards after getting traded from the worst team in the league that was 5 for 39, 5 and 39, who is getting DNPs, you're in serious trouble if that's your guy. What does it mean? They don't want to be the worst team in the league. The problem is their roster probably is the worst in the league. They only have a two-game lead over the Pistons in the NBA's Sluggo Award. I am betting that the Wizards do finish with the worst record overall. I think they win 10 games. 10. Again, 
moving on. Uh, more coaching news. So the Bucks, we talked about this last episode. They fired Adrian Griffin. It did happen. What we suspected might happen, what was being rumored, they have tendered an offer too. Guys, Glenn Dirty Mac Rivers, a.k.a. the doctor with no MD. No MD, folks. He gets another ridiculous shot at mediocrity to the tune of $40 million. How can I get that job? How can we as people believe in the system when we all know Doc Rivers fucking sucks and he gets three and a half years for $40 million? That is a... What in the Monty Williams is going on over here? I will have the rest of the season to bash this move. But it's, it's gross, not just because they hired a guy who has booted th- four 3-1 leads in the playoffs. I think that's the most in history. As you can imagine that the online response from Bucks fans, not stoked. I echo those comments because... Not just that he's bad, but like, why? Why'd you do it? Why'd you pay him long term? Why not let your interim head coach, Joe Prenti, who's already been an interim head coach before, why not let him take this thing, see how it goes until the offseason, when you can figure out a way to try to entice Kenny Atkinson or someone else, someone better? Unless the ownership group is okay having four coaches under contract at the same time, this thing could be a disaster. A disaster. I think the reason why is fear, right? I, it doesn't make sense. I think it's Giannis, really. I think Giannis, all of his comments in the media about, really LeBron-esque, we need a, champi- we need a championship. I think it's that that made them make this move. They're afraid. And by the way, there are numerous think pieces about how Griffin got shit-canned midway through the season. They are all eye-opening. They are all, you know, illuminating. Chief amongst his crimes was the fact that defensively he put together a scheme where he took Brooke Lopez from being a rim protector, where he almost won Defensive Player of the Year at that, to blitzing ball handlers when I think he's had multiple back surgeries. So he's not that mobile, guys. Like You can't have him blitz the ball handler in a pick-and-roll situation. ESPN reported it was baffling to those inside the locker room who had been accustomed to top 10 defenses under Budenholzer. Yeah, not to mention you got Dame Lillard there. So... The defense is already going to take a step back, no matter what you do. Tons of people, including myself, are calling Doc a snake. Snake! Snake! Or a dirty back. He was hired. If you don't know the story, here's what it is. Doc was hired midway through the season, early December, as a private consultant for the Bucs. Hey, just help this young rookie coach come along. Teach him your ways. Help develop him. I didn't even know that until Adrian Griffin was already fired at the behest of the Bucks. And then what does he do? He goes behind Adrian Griffin's back, uses his position with ESPN as a media member, goes on the ringer, goes on all these other places, and just 
Bus tosses Adrian Griffin along the way. Tries to be slick. Sneak dissing him. And behind the scenes, lobbying for Adrian Griffin's job. Gets him fired. Already had secured his own gig. His best advice for Griffin? Hire an Australian assistant with no head coaching experience as his, quote, veteran presence on the bench. Folks, this has real dirty Mac vibes. Like things aren't going well with your girl? Let me smooth things over for y'all. I'll figure it out. Oh, yeah, that, that guy, he's just not going to be the one for you. You need somebody with more championship caliber experience. That's the only way you manage these egos, Giannis and Dame and Brooke Lopez and list goes on and on. You need somebody who understands guys like Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Chris Paul. Do you know anybody like that? I could give you a referral. I could give you a referral to somebody. The optics are obviously hilarious and awful. He's, he is the all-time bad guy. This has been quite illuminating. And did a lot, I'm sure, to put the nail in the coffin to his reputation. He's 62 years old. This might be his last crack at a head coaching job. He's the little finger. And when this inevitably does not work, we are going to hear all about how it went down. The question is how long it goes down, how long until it happens. The Bucks are now storyline number one to watch for the rest of the year. Another question that I have, though, and we'll answer this more in detail maybe next week, is like, why? Why do these head coaches we know aren't good, why do they continue to get like very expensive jobs? Why? Why do we want these retreads? when well, we know they're not good. At least we know Austin Rivers, Rivers is probably going to come back to the league. At least we know that. In other news, newest Miami Heat culture spokesperson, a.k.a. Terry Rozier, made his debut on Wednesday night. Finished 9-4-5. and five. Not a great stat line, not going to lie. On 3-for-11 from the field as the Heat dropped their fourth straight to the Memphis Grizzlies. Ah! They have been held under 100 points for the sixth time in their last 10 games. What's happening with Miami? A couple of things. First of all, let's stop deep-throating Jaime Hawkins. Can we just maybe cut that out? He's very good. Uh, but here's the problem. He and Jimmy Butler do all, a lot of the same things. And as far as I know, this is still Jimmy Butler's team. And since he's a rookie, he's probably going to have to defer to Jimmy, which means on offense, he's usually in the corner of the three and not a high-volume three-point shooter. So he's going to get a lot of opportunities that come, we'll call it organically, you know? You don't really know when you're going to be used, how you're going to be used, because most of his valuable skills are being minimized. Because unless he comes off the bench when, when Jimmy sits. Second, Jimmy is a problem. Let's be real. He's come back from injury and has, maybe because of injuries, most likely not been playing his normal game. Mostly low post block, shooting four to six footers. Pretty inefficient uh, stats. Not exactly where you want your guy to be shooting, little middies. His shot chart from the last 10 games he's played versus the playoffs, wildly different. He's got almost no offense from the right side of the court. Not sure why, but that's something to monitor. The Heat are tumbling down the standings fast. They are a game out of ninth. They have to fix things. Losing to the Memphis Grizzlies is just unacceptable. Bill Simmons, on the other hand, has taken the Heat at 13-1 to to win the East, so that tells you everything you need to know. Finally, we end with some more bullshit from the refs. 
Not going to get into how the Portland Trailblazers were screwed out of a win against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which might have been our best win of the year, uh, by not acknowledging a timeout by Chauncey Billups in the last seconds of a tie game and then teeing him up when he pointed it out by saying that he physically assaulted a rep. But I won't get into any of that. We're going to talk about the Wolves versus the Charlotte Hornets, the game where Carl Anthony Towns had mostly the most embarrassing performance that he's ever had, and he put up 62. He cost the Wolves the game. Well, not just him. The refs apparently did some heavy lifting as well. Uh, In the latest NBA last two-minute report, the NBA acknowledged that there were some missed calls. How many missed calls were there? Ten. Ten! Ten incorrect calls in the last two minutes and seven seconds of this game. Seven of those calls, missed ones, benefited the Hornets. That included two bad no calls on the same play, which would have resulted into two Carl Anthony Towns free throws with 5.4 and 4.0 seconds left in the game and in an incorrect offensive foul called on Rudy Gobert with 1.4 seconds left in the game. Three wrong calls in the final five seconds of the game. All that negatively impacted the Wolves. Sounds about Minnesota. What the fuck, though? Seriously, did they get any calls right? If you get 10 calls wrong in a month, let alone the last two minutes of the game, that is absolutely hysterical. How, how can you be this job? If I did 10 wrong things at my job in two minutes, there would be a talking to. I'd probably have to sign some things. I'd have to vow some things. <laughs> It wouldn't be good. I have no idea how this is getting out of hand. And I'm going to tell you, Adam Silver, you got to get this shit under control because the refs are in danger of torpedoing a golden season, not just for the Wolves, but for the entire league. All right. Up next, we have a special guest interview with NBA TV's Chris Miles. Chris joined me and my co-host Nick Ashew and Ryan Horvat on my other show, BitMGM Tonight, which airs 7 to 11 Eastern, Monday through Friday. Fascinating conversation with Chris. We get into all the news around the NBA. He is super insightful, funny, and entertaining. So take a listen. Trista said this earlier, and it was just music to my ears, and I'm sure it'd be music to your ears too. She looks at me, she just goes, this Knicks team's just really good. It's been a long time since we got to hear that and actually feel confident in what the future is for this organization. You know, it's all coming together because this time last night, I was interviewing Bill Bradley, Senator Bill Bradley, you know, of those championship Knicks. And it just feels like something special in the air. Uh, I mean, Carmelo Anthony is now one of us in, in broadcasting, essentially doing all these podcasts. I'm like, yeah, it's all coming together. Now is the time for Knicks tape, baby. Yes. Looks like we're going to be, what, 11-2 and two since the OG Ananobi mm-hmm. trade? Yeah, that OG Ananobi trade was huge. And you're lucky that Indiana didn't want to give up Ben Matherin because they could have ended up with Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. Uh, how much do you think that this uh, Pascal trade helps them? Well, it's really interesting because the day of the trade, I was like, all right, let me look inside the numbers in Nerd Alert. And I was like, hold on. The Toronto Raptors, who don't have a great offense, had more fast break points per game than the Indiana Pacers, who we know got up and down the court and played zero defense. And it was because of Pascal Siakam. Uh, He and Scotty Barnes were just running up and down the floor. The thing is, that's the only way the Raptors were able to score, right? So it was like they'd have fast break points and then putrid outside of that. So I can't wait to see him and Tyrese Halliburton on the floor for an extended period of time and, and see how they play together. I think Pascal Siakam's passing skills and ability to like score quickly and not hold on to the ball is going to be fascinating with the Pacers. 
Where are you at with the Philadelphia 76ers? They're 29 and 13. I think obviously like Nick Nurse doing a pretty solid job. Embiid, the MVP favorite, just dropped 70 the other night. Yeah, Milwaukee and Boston in front of them in the East, but you know, I like Boston. Milwaukee doesn't play a whole lot of defense. They probably figure that thing out. But then again, they have Doc Rivers as their head coach now. Where are you at with Philly uh, this stage of the season right now? I mean, I, I look at Philly as, are you going to get out of the second round? Like, do I have to pay attention to you until Joel Embiid plays three full months without needing a week off? Yeah. Right? Because people have been banging the Embiid drum for four years. And I'm like, yeah, I know what he can do on Wednesday night in January. But then you get to the playoffs, and it's like the Raptors didn't have a center and forced them into, you know, elimination, pushed them to the break. Then they get, you know, so close to the conference finals, and Jason Tatum said, no, 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 no. I'm him. You're not. I just don't trust Embiid's body is really the thing. Uh, Maxie's amazing. We had him in studio about two weeks ago. Love his energy. Loves Love how much he loves basketball. I just don't believe Joel Embiid can can you know finish the postseason healthy. This team can't win at all unless he's you know able to play at that level uh, come June. Uh, when we look at the Sixers now, we've got a guy in Joel Embiid that just continues to get better, man. And I know, like we right, we we know the second round, we know the MVP is a regular season award. I was looking at BetMGM; they've got the MVP market down right now. But I mean, the dude just put up seventy the other night. The big man in the NBA, how? Comparing it to what we had, like, let's say in the 90s, right? These big men we have today, could you ever in your wildest dreams have imagined we'd see one guy with a dad bod be a multiple-time MVP, two other guys that look like they were supposed to be 6'5", stretched out to, you know, seven foot four in Chet and Wemby. And, like, to, it's just incredible to me the evolution that we've had of the big man from before to now, and yet we're winning. MV- they're winning MVPs again. It really feels like the big man in the NBA, Chris, is fully back. You're like going Justin Timberlake on me. <laughs> like I'm bringing, like I'm bringing the big man back. Oh, but it's so different now. Here's the thing: um, they sent a little boy to do a man's job with Victor Wembanyama trying to guard Joel Embiid. I'm like, this is this is the problem with the league right now. We've had a lot of talented bigs, right? Not get the uh, time and attention and, you know, opportunity to develop. Like James Wiseman can play basketball, but teams are like, oh, he can't defend the pick and roll. And they don't, I'm like, have you, I've seen, James Wiseman is a ginormous human being that can get up and down the floor. And you know what? The Spurs could have just used him for 10 minutes to defend Joel Embiid just to slow him down. I mean, like when I look at what Embiid did, I thought it was impressive. But it's also like when we do the all-time greats, I dock Wilt Chamberlain because I'm like, that's what it looked like when Wilt Chamberlain was doing it. It was like, this dude is too little to be on him. It is too easy as opposed to, like you're pointing out, man, Shaq was dominating guys of his elk. So um, I, I think I take nothing away from Joel Embiid and how amazing he looks, and he's doing exactly what he needs to do. But teams need to wake up, man. There are bigs out here that can defend, that are, you know, working on their games throughout the years, but they're going with, like, the super slim or, you know, stretch four, stretch five, instead of guys who can even try to defend you all of it. Chris, when you look at the West, you got Oklahoma City and Minnesota, both 31 and 13, the top two seeds in the West. Who do you trust more down the stretch when we get to the postseason? You know, who do you think what they're doing is more sustainable for, the Thunder or the Wolves? Man, that's a great question, and I'm starting to lean towards the Timberwolves for this reason. 
uh, what they're going through right now, right? Like the Thunder to me are doing everything right. They're kind of hitting their ceiling. This is who they are. And in two years, three years from now, they're going to take another leap with Chet when he gets a little bit better. With the Timberwolves, Chris Finch the other night, uh, they lost against the Hornets because Cat was, you know, searching for shots after he had 62, was just trying to get to 70 to catch and beat. The coach was like, hey, this is not good. And then they came out and beat the Wizards the next time out, and you were like, okay, Ant-Man was aggressive. They were back into their roles at the font. I just think they're at a stage where they've been disappointed for two years, and they're ready, right? Whereas, like, OKC, it's like, how's money? Let's go out here and have fun and, and do our thing. I think there's a little bit more growth left within them, even though the Thunder, man, like you said, sitting there on top of the West uh, with the advantage over the Timberwolves and head-to-head matchups. I just think when it comes postseason time, it's been two years of the Wolves kind of being let down. Talking to Chris Miles, Bet MGM tonight. Uh, what teams do you think will be the most active at the deadline, whether it's buying or selling? I mean, I think we've kind of seen it already, right, um, with with the Indiana Pacers. But, man, I'm going to tell you something that struck me uh, earlier today. Ben Simmons. Like, I'm looking at him like, hold on, they're trying to get this man back on the court <laughs> to move him one more time. But uh, teams I had an eye out on, man, the, the Pacers and the Heat, kind of already made their moves. I thought maybe another one, um, a team that might be flying under the radar that I think needs to make a move, the Dallas Mavericks. I think that was evident in that loss to the Phoenix Suns. Like they came out, Kyrie wasn't on the floor. They they got to get some defensive identity and some toughness back that they lost when they traded for Kyrie. And they, they look good this year, but whether it's Bruce Brown who's going to be available, right? Um Daniel Gafford in D.C. Like, they need a guy like that. Not necessarily, like, a, a game changer. Oh, he's no OG Ananobi, but another big or wing that can defend. Someone whose main job is to do the dirty work. What about the Lakers? I know that they're in the mix, uh, and there's a lot of trade rumors about maybe them going after DeJounte Murray. I don't know how that works. Like, from a basketball perspective, how do you think that fit is? I think there are a lot better fits for DeJounte. Yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, living here in Atlanta, you know, being around him, he's close with Jamal Crawford, who, you know, obviously I work with and that sort of thing. And I'm like, this dude, if you want to see DeJounte Murray, you go to a high school basketball game on his off nights, and that's where he is. So, like, you're not going to catch him in the club. You're not going to catch him at a bar. He doesn't do all that stuff. He's a basketball guy. And I think he needs a different opportunity, right? Like, I think he's shown that in Atlanta – uh, having some class and some dignity. But again, I said the team a little bit earlier, but the Brooklyn Nets, I really like that fit for DeJounte Murray. They're kind of in need of a franchise guy, and I think he could be that in Brooklyn, and I think he'd be loved if he was there. I've still got a couple of minutes, Chris. Uh, when we look at the Suns now, they've won seven straight. We know the talent that's certainly there. It's a big three. We barely saw even Durant and Booker play together last year. Now you're adding Bradley Beal to the mix, and he misses the beginning of the year. They have talent, but we also know really all three of those guys are an injury risk, especially Beal. We saw that plenty when he was in Washington. Is this a matter now of just everybody staying healthy and the Suns team can continue to climb in the West? What's crazy is, and if you're being objective and you watch the Phoenix Suns, is the third person Bradley Beal or is it Grayson Allen? Yeah. Like, yeah. it sounds silly, but like this dude shooting like 50% from three-point range. Right. And he was he was a killer with the Bucks. 
and it, he's giving you 33 minutes a game, everybody in and out the lineup, and this dude is like the glue. I keep going, man, why haven't the Suns faltered when, when Book's out, when Beal's out? And I'm like, this guy has been incredible. So I know everyone likes to go with the three all-stars. I'm not calling them a victory. I'm calling them a big two, right? <laughs> in in, a, in an all-star caliber play. That's not a that's a different thing that we should reserve for guys on that level, you know, like all NBA uh, perennial guys, right? So, and that's no disrespect to Bradley Beal. I just don't put him in that same category. But I think if Beal is going to do what he's what he's done the past three weeks now, then yeah, they can contend for a title. They're another team though that I just feel. Like you said, too top-heavy. They, they got, like, three guys that give me the Embiid concern. Like, is Devin Booker's hammy going to give out? Is KD too old when it comes to the playoffs? And is Beal going to just, like, oh, I haven't played this much in years and just, like, <laughs> give in too? I don't know. It's like I keep thinking one of those guys won't be, you know, good for the conference finals. I know. The Beal thing especially were, like, again – Years and years and years we saw, like, oh, Beal's going to miss another month, and it's just like, okay, here you go. So I would love to see this team actually just play together for an entire season just to see what it would look like. But you're right, Grayson Allen over on threes and points. Man, those props have been fantastic this year. Chris Miles, NBA TV. Great Thanks, to see Chris. you again, buddy. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Hollywood. God, I hate you. Thanks I knew he was going to do it. It's not, why why, why do we let him on the show? You God, you're the worst. Get him off the camera. Dylan, cut him off right now. Oh, we got we got like 40 more seconds, <laughs> Dylan. You keep him on. <laughs> I do it. It's like he hasn't done anything yet. There's a bit coming at some point, and there he goes. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Special thanks to Chris and the whole gang at BetMGM tonight. Come back Monday for our Nalu episode, and check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes, which drop unexpectedly like a beat in a Skrillex song. Don't even know why that was the end. Don't forget to follow the heat check as that means download, subscribe, tell your friends. Even your neighbor who's drinking whiskey at 1 p.m. On the, in the afternoon on a Tuesday and keeps telling you he never does this. He does this if he says he never does this. Tell him, hey, you should see someone about that. They have AA meetings all over the country, but also as you're on the way to the meeting, Turn on the heat check. It's lit. About as lit as you. And follow us on social at, at this heat check and at Tristan Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter.